Tides by George Middleton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Characters William White, a famous internationalist. Read by Todd. Hilda, his wife. Read by Capricia Page. Wallace, their son. Read by Chuck Williamson. Narrated by Elizabeth Clett. Scene. At the Whites, Spring 1917. A simply furnished study. The walls are lined with bookshelves, indicating by their improvised quality that they have been increased as occasion demanded. On these are stacked, in addition to the books themselves, many files of papers, magazines, and reports. The large work-table, upon which rests a double student lamp and a telephone, is conspicuous. A leather couch with pillows is opposite, pointing toward a doorway which leads into the living-room. There is also a doorway in back, which apparently opens on the hallway beyond. The room is comfortable in spite of its general disorder. It is essentially the workshop of a busy man of public affairs. The strong sunlight of a spring day comes in through the window, flooding the table. William White is standing by the window smoking a pipe. He is about fifty, of striking appearance, the visual incarnation of the popular conception of a leader of men. There is authority and strength in the lines of his face. His whole personality is commanding, his voice has all the modulations of a well-trained orator, his gestures are sweeping, for even in private conversation he is habitually conscious of an audience. Otherwise he is simple and engaging, with some indication of his humble origin. On the sofa opposite, with a letter in her hand, Hilda White, his wife, is seated. She is somewhat younger, in fact, though in appearance she is as one who has been worn a bit by the struggle of many years. Her manner contrasts with her husband's. Her inheritance of delicate refinement is ever present in her soft voice and gentle gesture. Yet she, too, suggests strength, the sort which will endure all for a fixed intention. It is obvious throughout that she and her husband have been happy comrades in their life together, and that a deep fundamental bond has united them, in spite of the different social spheres from which each has sprung. White, seeing that she has paused. Go on, dear, go on. Let's hear all of it. Oh, what's the use, Will? You know how differently he feels about the war? White, with quiet sarcasm. But it's been so many years since your respectable brother has honored me even with the slightest allusion. If you care for what he says. Continuing to read the letter. Remember, Hilda, you are an American. I don't suppose your husband considers that an honor, but I do. White, interrupting. And what kind of an American has he been in times of peace? He's wrung forty percent profits out of his factory, and fought every effort of the workers to organize. Ah, these smug hypocrites. Hilda, reading. His violent opposition to America going in has been disgrace enough. But his war profits were all right? Oh, yes. Let me finish, dear, since you want it. Reading. Been disgrace enough, but now we're in. I'm writing in the faint hope. 
if you are not too much under his influence, that you will persuade him to keep his mouth shut. This country will tolerate no difference of opinion now. You radicals had better get on board the bandwagon. It's prison or acceptance. She stops reading. He's right, dear. There will be nothing more intolerant than a so-called democracy at war. By God, it's superb! Silence for twenty years, and now he writes his poor misguided sister for fear she will be further disgraced by her radical husband? We mustn't descend to his bitterness. No, I suppose I should resuscitate the forgotten doctrine of forgiving my enemies. He's not your enemy. He merely looks at it differently. I was thinking of his calm contempt for me these twenty years, ever since you married me, out of your class, as he called it. Oh, hush, Will. I've been so happy with you, I can bear him no ill will. Besides, doesn't his attitude seem natural? You mustn't forget that no man in this country has fought his class more than you. That hurts, especially coming from an acquired relative. Yes, that aggravates the offense. And I'll tell you something you may not know. Bitterly. Whenever I've spoken against privilege and wealth, it's been his pudgy, comfortable face I've shaken my fist at. He's been so damned comfortable all his life. She looks at him in surprise. Why, Will, you surely don't envy him his comfort, do you? I can't make you out. What's come over you these last weeks? You've always been above such personal bitterness, even when you were most condemned and ridiculed. If you were anybody but you, I'd think you had done something you were ashamed of. What do you mean? Haven't you sometimes noticed that is what bitterness to another means? A failure within oneself. He goes over to chair and sits without answering. I can think of you beaten by outside things, that sort of failure we all meet. But somehow I can never think of you failing yourself. You've been so brave and self-reliant. You fought so hard for the truth. White. Tapping letter. But he thinks he knows the truth, too. He's also an intense nature. White. Thoughtfully after a pause. Yet there is some truth in what he says. Hilda. Smiling. But you didn't like it coming from him. It will be different with you and me, now that America's gone in. Yes, it will be harder for us here, for hate is always farthest from the trenches. But you and I are not the sort who would compromise to escape the persecution which is the resource of the non-combatant. The phone rings. He looks at his watch. That's for me. Let me. She goes. It may be Wallace. At phone. Yes. This is 116 Chelsea. Long distance. He starts as she says to him. It must be our boy. At phone. Who? Oh, Mr. William White? Yes, he'll be here. She hangs up receiver. She'll ring when she gets the connection through. White, turning away. It takes so long these days. Funny he didn't ask for me. What made you think it was Wallace? I took it for granted. He must be having a hard time at college with all the boys full of war fever. 
And a father with my record. He should be proud of the example. He has more than other boys to cling to these days, when everybody is losing his head as the band plays and the flag is waved. He won't be carried away by it. He'll remember all we taught him. Oh, Will, when I think we now have conscription, as they have in Germany, I thank God every night our boy is too young for the draft. But when his time comes, what will he do? Hilda, calmly. He will do it with courage. White, referring to her brother's letter. Either prison or acceptance. I would rather have my son in prison than have him do what he felt was wrong. Wouldn't you? White, evasively. We won't have to face that problem for two years. And when it comes, if he falters, I'll give him these notes of that wonderful speech you made at the International Conference in 1910. Picking it up. I was looking through it only this morning. White, troubled. Oh, uh, that speech. Hilda, glancing through it with enthusiasm. All wars are imperialistic in origin. Do away with overseas investments, trade routes, private control of ammunition factories, secret diplomacy. Don't you see that it's all dead wood? Hilda, not heeding him. This part gave me new strength when I thought of Wallace. Reading with eloquence. War will stop when young men put internationalism above nationality, the law of God above the dictates of statesmen, the law of love above the law of hate, the law of self-sacrifice above the law of profit. There must be no boundaries in man's thought. Let the young men of the world once throw down their arms let them once refuse to point their guns at human hearts, and all the boundaries of the world will melt away, and peace will find a resting place in the hearts of men. White, taking it from her. And I made you believe it? What silly prophets we radicals were. He tears it up. Bare scraps of paper, dear, scraps of paper now. But it was the truth. It still is the truth. Hilda, there's something I want to talk over very, very seriously with you. I've been putting it off. Yes, dear? The outer door is heard to bang. Listen, wasn't that the front door? Perhaps it's the maid. Hilda, a bit nervously. No, she's upstairs. No one rang, please, see. White, smiling. Now don't worry, it can't possibly be the Secret Service. One never knows in war times what to expect. I sometimes feel I am in a foreign country. White goes slowly to the door in back and opens it. Wallace, their son, with valise in hand, is standing there, as if he had hesitated to enter. He is a fine, clean-cut young fellow, with his father's physical endowment and his mother's spiritual intensity. The essential note he strikes is that of honesty. It is apparent he is under the pressure of a momentous decision which has brought him unexpectedly home from college. Wallace! Wallace, shaking hands. Hello, Dad. Wallace, my boy. Wallace drops Valise and goes to his mother's arms. Wallace, with deep feeling. Mother! White, after a pause. Well, boy, 
This is unexpected. We were just talking of you. Were you? I am so glad to see you, so glad. Yes, yes, but... There's nothing the matter. You've had trouble at college. Not exactly, but I couldn't stand it there. I've left for good. I was sure that would happen. Tell us. You know we'll understand. Dad, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk it over with Mother first. Of course, old fellow. That's right. She'll stand by you just as she's always stood by me, all these years. He kisses her. Aye, aye. He smooths her hair gently, looking into her eyes as she smiles up at him. We mustn't let this war hurt all we've had together, you and I. Hilda, smiling and turning towards her son. And Wallace. And Wallace, yes. Wallace looks away guiltily. Let me know when the phone comes. He goes out hastily. She closes the door after him and then comes to Wallace, who has sat down, indicating he is troubled. They made it hard for you at college. I don't know how to tell you. I understand. The flag waving, the patriotic speeches, the billboards advertising the glory of war, the call of adventure offered to youth, the pressure of your friends, all made it hard for you to be called a slacker. No, mother. I wasn't afraid of what they would call me. That was easy. Hilda, proudly. You are your father's son. Mother, I can't stand the thought of killing, you know, and I couldn't forget all you've told me. That's why I've had to think this out, all these months alone, why I've hesitated longer than most fellows. The only thing I was really afraid of was being wrong. But now I know I'm right, and I'm going clean through to the limit. As your father said, I'll stand by you, whatever it is, if only you feel it's right. Will you? Will you, mother? No matter what happens. She nods. Ah, I knew you would. Taking her hand. Then, mother, listen. I volunteered. Hilda, shocked. Volunteered? Yes, I leave for training camp tonight. Tonight? Yes, mother. Once I made up my mind, I wouldn't wait to be drafted. I wanted to offer myself. I didn't want to be made to go. Hilda, hardly grasping it. But you are too young. I lied about my age. You and father can stop me if you tell the truth. That's why I've come back. I want you to promise you won't tell. You ask me to aid you in what I don't believe? But you said you'd stick by me if I thought it was right. But— Wallace, with fervor. And I tell you, mother, I do feel it was right for America to go in. I see now we ought to have declared war when they crushed Belgium. Yes, we ought to have gone in when the Lusitania was sunk. But we've been patient. The President tried to keep us out of it until we had to go in to save our self-respect. We had to go in to show we were men of honor, not pussycats. We had to go in to show the world the Stars and Stripes wasn't a dish-rag on which the Germans could dry their bloody hands. Hilda, gazing at him incredulously. 
You hate them as much as that. Hate? No, mother, no. As if questioning himself. I really haven't any hate for the German people. People are just people everywhere, I suppose. And they're tricked and fooled by their rotten government, as the president says. Then why fight them? Because they're standing back of their government, doing what it says. And they've got to be licked to show them what kind of a government they have. At least you have no hate in your heart. That's something. Oh, yes. I have, mother. But it isn't for the poor devils I've got to shoot. It's for the stay-at-home fellow here in America who sits in a comfortable armchair, who applauds patriotic sentiment, cheers the flag, and does nothing for his country but hate, and hate while we fight for him. That's the fellow I'll hate all right when I sit in the trenches. And that's why I couldn't look myself in the face if I stayed out a day longer. Why I've got to go in. Why I'm going to die if I must. Because everybody ought to be willing to die for what he believes. You are my son, too. For I would willingly have died if I could have kept us out of this war. Yes, I am your son, too. And that's why you wouldn't respect me if I didn't go through. No, I wouldn't have respected you. But... but... She breaks a bit, then controls herself. You are quite sure you're doing what's right. Wallace, tenderly. Would I have been willing to hurt you like this? Hilda, holding him close to her. My boy. My boy. It'll be all right, mother. Yes. It will be all right. Nothing matters in time. It's only the moments that hurt. Wallace, after a pause. Then you won't tell my real age or interfere. I respect your right to decide your own life. Wallace, joyed. <sighs> Mother. I respect your dedication, your willingness to sacrifice for your beliefs. Why, Wallace, it would be a crime for me to stand in your way, even with my mother's love. He kisses her. Do it all as cleanly as you can. I'll hope and pray that you'll come back to me. Half breaking down and taking him in her arms. Oh, my boy, my boy, let me hold you. You'll never know how hard it is for a mother. Wallace, gently. But— other mothers send their boys. Most of them believe in what their sons are fighting for. Mothers have got to believe in it, or else how could they stand the thought of bayonets stuck into the bodies they brought forth in their own blood? There is a pause till she controls herself. I'll help you get your things together. And father? He will be angry. But you will make him understand. I'll try. Yet you must be patient with him if he doesn't understand. Don't ever forget his long fight against all kinds of Prussianism when you hear him reviled by those who have always hated his radicalism. 
and who now, under the guise of patriotism, are trying to render him useless for further attacks on them after the war. He's been persecuted so by them. Even back in the days when our press was praising Germany, and our distinguished citizens were dining at the Emperor's tables. Don't forget all this, my boy. These days are hard for him and me, harder perhaps than for you who go out to die in glory and praise. There are no flags for us, no music that stirs, no applause. But we too suffer in silence for what we believe, and it is only the strongest who can survive. Now call your father. Wallace goes to door. Dad. He leaves door open and turns to his mother. I'll be getting my things together. There is a pause. White enters. Dad, mother has something to ask you. He looks from father to mother. Thanks, little mother. He kisses her and goes out, taking the valise. His father and mother stand facing each other. Wallace has volunteered. He looks at her keenly. He has lied about his age. He wants us to let him go. Volunteered? Yes. He leaves tonight. White, after a pause. And what have you told him? That he must go. You can say that? It is the way he sees it. White, going to her sympathetically. Hilda. Hilda, looking up at him tenderly. Oh, Will, do you remember when he was born? He soothes her. And all we nursed him through afterwards. And all we taught him. All we tried to show him about war. With a shrug of her shoulders. None of it has mattered. War is stronger than all that. So we mustn't blame him. You won't blame him. He fears I will? He has always feared you a little, though he loves you deeply. You mustn't oppose him, dear. You won't. White, wearily. Is there any use opposing anybody or anything these days? We must wait till the storm passes. That's never been my way. No. You fought all your life. But now we must sit silent together and wait. Wait for our boy to come home. Will, think of it. We are going to have a boy over there, too. Hilda, hasn't it ever struck you that we may have been all wrong? She looks at him as she holds his hand. What could these frail hands do? How could we, poor little King Canutes, halt this tide that has swept over the world? Isn't it better, after all, that men should fight themselves out? Bring such desolation upon themselves that they will be forced to see the futility of war? May it not become so terrible that men, the workers, I mean, will throw down their worn-out weapons of their own accord? Won't permanent peace come through bitter experience, rather than talk, talk, talk? Hilda, touching the torn pages of his speech and smiling. Here is your answer to your own question. Oh, that was all theory. We're in now. You say yourself we can't oppose it. Isn't it better if we try to direct the current to our own ends, rather than sink by trying to swim against it? Oh, yes. It would be easier for one who could compromise. But haven't we radicals been too intolerant of compromise? 
That has been your strength, and it is your strength I'm relying on now that Wallace— Shall I call him? White, significantly. No, wait. Hilda, apprehensive at his turn. Oh, yes. Before he came, you said there was something. The phone rings. They both look at it. That's for you. White, not moving. Yes. Hilda, hardly believing his attitude. Is, is it private? No, perhaps it will be easier this way. He hesitates, then goes to phone as she stands expectant. Yes. Yes? Long distance? Washington? Her lips repeat the word. Yes. This is William White. Hello? Yes. Is this the secretary speaking? Oh, I appreciate the honor of having you confirm it personally. Senator Bow is chairman? At his request? Ah, yes. War makes strange bedfellows. Yes. The passport and credentials? Oh, I'll be ready. Yes. Goodbye. He hangs up the receiver and looks at her. You too. I've been trying to tell you these last weeks, but I couldn't somehow. You were ashamed. No, dear. Only I knew it would hurt you. I'm not thinking of myself, but of you. You are going to be part of this war. I'm going to do what I can to help finish it. By compromising with the beliefs of a lifetime. No, dear, not that. I've accepted the appointment on this commission because I'm going to accept facts. Have the facts of war changed, or is it you? Neither has changed, but I'm going to act differently. I'm going to be a part of it. Yes, I'm going to help direct the current. I can't believe what I am hearing. Is it you, William White, speaking? You who for twenty years have stood against all war? Yes. And now, when the test comes, you are going to lend yourself to it? You of all men? Hilda, dear, I didn't expect you to accept it easily. But I think I can make you see if you will let me. Hilda, poignantly. If I will let you... Why, Will, I must understand. I must. Perhaps it will be difficult at first, with your standards. But my standards were yours, Will. You gave them to me. You taught me. You took a young girl who loved you. You showed her the truth. And she followed you, and has followed you gladly through hard years of struggle and poverty because of those ideals. And now you talk of my standards? Will, don't you see? I must understand. Dear, standards are relative things. They differ with circumstance. Have your ideals only been old clothes you changed to suit the weather? It's the end we must keep in mind. I haven't changed or compromised one bit in that. I'm working in changed conditions, that's all. Working with all my heart to do away with all war. By fighting one? White, with eloquence. Yes, because it is necessary. I've come to see we can't argue war out of the world with words. We've got to beat it out of the world. It can't be done with our hands lifted up in prayer. It can only be done with iron hands crushing it down. War is the mood of the world. Well, 
I'm going to fight in my fashion. And when it is over, I'm going to keep on fighting. For the next war will be greater than this. It will be an economic revolution. It will be the war of capital and labor. And I mean to be ready. Hilda, listening incredulously. And to get ready. You are willing to link arms now with Senator Bow, a man you once called the lackey of Wall Street, a man who has always opposed every democratic principle. Yes. Don't you see the government is beginning to realize it can't do without us? Don't you see my appointment is an acknowledgment of the rising tide of radicalism in the world? Don't you see, with the prestige that will come to me from this appointment, I will have greater power after the war, power to bring about the realization of all our dreams, power to demand, even at the peace table itself perhaps, that all wars must end. Do you actually believe you will have any power with your own people when you have compromised them for a temporary expediency? White, with a gesture. The leader must be wiser than the people who follow. So, contempt for your people is the first thing your new power has brought you. He makes a gesture of denial. You feel you are above them, not of them. Do you believe for a moment that Senator Bow has anything but contempt for you, too? White, confidently. He needs me. Needs you? Don't you understand why he has appointed you on that committee? He wanted to get you out of the way. Isn't that an acknowledgment of my power? Yes. You're a great asset now. You're a reformed radical. Why, will he'll use you in the capitals of Europe to advertise his liberalism, just as the prohibitionist exhibits a reformed drunkard. And I tell you, Hilda, after the war I shall be stronger than he is, stronger than any of them. No man is strong unless he does what he feels is right. No, no, Will. You've convinced yourself with your own eloquence. You've wanted to do this for some reason, but it isn't the one you've told me. No, no. White, angrily. You doubt my sincerity? No, only the way you have read yourself. Well, if you think I've tried to make it easy for myself, you are mistaken. Is it easy to pull out of the rut and habit of years? Easy to know my friends will jeer and say I've sold out? Easy to have you misunderstand? Goes to her. Hilda, I'm doing this for their good. I'm doing it, just as Wallace is, because I feel it's right. No, you shouldn't say that. You are not doing this for the same reason Wallace is. He believes in this war. He has accepted it all simply without a question. If you had seen the look in his eyes, you would have known he was a dedicated spirit. There was no shadow, no doubt. It was a pure flame. But you, you believe differently. You can't hush the mind that for twenty years has thought no war ever could henceforth be justified. You can't give yourself to this war without tricking yourself with phrases. You see power in it and profit for yourself. He protests. That's your own confession. You are only doing what is expedient, not what is right. Oh, Will, don't compare your motives with those of our son. I sent him forth without a word of protest, because he wishes to die for his own ideals. 
you are killing your own ideals for the ideals of others she turns away oh well that's what hurts if you were only like him i i could stand it white quietly after a pause i can't be angry at you even when you say such things you've been too much a part of my life and work and i love you hilda you know that don't you dear he sits beside her and takes her hand i knew it would be difficult to make you understand only once have i lacked courage and that was when i felt myself being drawn into this and they offered me the appointment for then i saw i must tell you you know i never have wanted to cause you pain but when you asked me to let wallace go i thought you would understand my going too oh perhaps our motives are different he is young war has caught his imagination but i too see a duty a way to accomplish my ideals let's leave ideals out of this now it's like bitter enemies praying to the same god as they kill each other yes war is full of ironies i see that wallace can't it's so full of mixed motives good and bad yes i'll grant all that only america has gone in the whole tide was against us dear it is sweeping over the world a brown tide of khaki sweeping everything before it all my life i've fought against the current wearily and now that i've gone in too my arms seem less tired yes and except for the pain i've caused you i've never in all my life felt so so happy then she understands she slowly turns to him with tenderness in her eyes oh now will i do understand now i see the real reason for what you've done white defensively i've given the real reason hilda her heart going out to him you poor tired man my dear one forgive me if i made it difficult for you if i said cruel words i ought to have guessed ought to have seen what life has done to you he looks up not understanding her words those hands of yours first dug a living out of the ground then they built houses and grew strong because you were a workman a man of the people you saw injustice and all your life you fought against those who had the power to inflict it the press the comfortable respectables like my brother and even those of your own group who opposed you you fought them all and they look at you as an outsider an alien in your own country oh will i know how hard it has been for you to be always on the defensive against the majority it is hard to live alone away from the herd it does tire one to the bone and make one envious of the comfort and security they find by being together yes but now the war comes and with it a chance to get back to be part of the majority to be welcomed with open arms by those who have fought you to go back with honor and praise and yes to have the warmth and comfort of the crowd that's the real reason you're going in you're tired and worn out with the fight i know 
I understand now. White, earnestly. If I thought it was that, I'd kill myself. There's been enough killing already. I have to understand it, somehow, to accept it at all. He stares at her, wondering at her words. She smiles. He goes to a chair and sits down, gazing before him. The music of Over There is now heard outside in the street, approaching nearer and nearer. It is a military band. Wallace excitedly rushes in, dressed in khaki. Mother! Mother! The boys are coming down the street! Sees father. Dad! Mother has told you? Hilda, calmly. Yes, I've told him. And you're going to let me go, Dad? Yes. Oh, thanks, Dad. Grasping his hand. I knew Mother would make you see. Music nearer. Listen, isn't that a great tune? Lifts you up on your feet and carries you over there. Gee, it just gets into a fellow and makes him want to run for his gun and take charge over the top. He goes to balcony. Look, they're nearing here, all ready to sail with the morning tide. They've got their helmets on. You can't see the end of them coming down the avenue. Oh, thank God. I'm going to be one of them soon. <laughs> thank God. I'm going to fight for Uncle Sam. And, and the stars and stripes. Calls off. Hurrah! To them. Oh, I wish I had a flag. Why haven't we got a flag here? Hurrah! As he goes out on the balcony, the music plays louder. Hilda has gone to white during this, and stands behind him, with her arms down his arms, as he sits there, gazing before him. Hilda, fervently. Oh, Will, if I could only feel it, as he does. The music begins to trail off, as white tenderly takes hold of her hands. Curtain End of Tides by George Middleton